0: Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6 and find verse 16. Matthew 6, starting in verse 16. Um, as we are getting ready to enter into the third text um that we talked about having this umbrella principle and Jesus' teaching concerning our obedience and our service not being done for self glorification. We're getting into fasting today. Uh there's a lot of talk about fasting these days. I don't know if you're if you're not connected to any kind of media then maybe you don't get it but I, I'm not on all kinds of social media. I'm on Facebook. That's it. But man, there was one time I clicked on something, just I was curious to learn about some kind of like diet routine that I saw. And now I can't get away from being bombarded with these ads. And most of them have to do with fasting. And so it's become kind of like a fad or a trend in America. Um, which means you, you can't get on the internet without having it um, pouring into your newsfeed, or you know, um, if you have if you have email where you get ads on the side because it's free email and so it's paid for by the ads. It, you know, they they track all that stuff, and so it's all over the place. So I looked up some articles um about fasting this week and some of the titles that I found I'm just going to read the titles I'm not I didn't read all the articles but the titles made me chuckle so I'm gonna there's four of them I'm going to share with you today one of them is the title was fad like trend fad dieter disappointed to learn that fasting just means not eating which I figured everybody knew that fasting meant not eating but um, local man this is the next one local man live tweets which means he, live tweeting if you don't know what it means it means they're giving updates as an event is going on so as they're going through the event they're continually updating people on social media local man live tweets social media fast so while he's fasting from social media he's getting on telling everybody on social media how, how the fast is going Third one, local Calvinist compla- completes three day fast from craft beer. <laughs> Which, that was a that one, I did read that one, and uh, it was it was funny because this was actually I think uh, Babylon B, yeah. so uh, <laughs> so I read that one, and he talked about how it was a really hard thing for him to do, but you know, God gave him strength to be able to. He, he didn't fast from all beer, just craft beer. So, uh, And the last one, Charleston woman finds success with intermittent fasting between meals, which I think that's what everybody does. So, um, so I was looking up, just looking up stuff on fasting. It, it has become something that a lot of people are interested in for many different reasons, which I'm going to get into in just a minute, Uh, But Jesus, as we look at the instructions today on fasting, Jesus gives us some instruction, and it's more helpful than anything, whether joking or serious, that you will find on the Internet. So let's look at what he has to say about fasting in our lives, a practice that a lot of us, even though it's becoming popular in our culture, I think a lot of people in the church today don't, uh, don't do. And it's a spiritual discipline that we should probably consider. So, if you're able to stand, would you please stand to honor God as we read his word, looking at Matthew 16, is Matthew 5, sorry, Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. I'll get it right one of these days. All right, so Jesus, he, he has been teaching, he taught about giving to the needy, doing that in secret, when you're praying, pray in secret, now he goes on and he says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this... um, teaching on a discipline that uh, I know that is not a strong area of my walk with you. Um, I think it's not something that is practiced very often among a lot of Christians in America, where we have abundance and we don't like to be short of a, of an abundance of anything, but especially food. Um, God, I pray that you would place on our hearts not only a good understanding of what it is and the purpose of it, but also um, a proper time to maybe put it into practice in a way that uh, will draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. All right, so uh, your first point today is the practice of fasting. and So I'm going to talk a little bit about different types of fasting or uh, things that are going on today, practices that we see in history or throughout Scripture. So we're going to look at just the the actual practice of fasting itself before we get into any teaching. So let's look first at fasting that's taking place today in the American culture. Um, I mentioned that it's become this trend um, and that you get away from it if you are on things like Facebook or something, especially if you've already clicked on something to inquire about it. So there's this craze in America for fasting. And I think it's focused on two things. And I'm gonna give you some I'm gonna give you some detail on both of these, but I'll list the two things first. The first thing is health. It's focused on health and it's focused on weight loss. All right, so under health here are reasons why and and there are probably more, but here are reasons why as I was just thinking through this, why people have turned to fasting for health purposes. First of all, it gives your digestive system a break. So, in a country where we have plenty of food um and we don't practice this very often uh you know, we just gorge ourselves every meal, and sometimes in between meals. And we don't ever give our digestive system a chance to just have a break. And so for health purposes, fasting is not a bad idea in terms of that. Um, It also has been used at times to to identify problematic foods. And so you might not be fasting completely, but you might start cutting certain things out of your diet to see if you're having reactions adverse reactions to certain kinds of foods. And then you can identify that and have uh, better health. Um, It's been used at times to cleanse the body of toxins. And so um, I I don't... I'm not the most knowledgeable person in terms of nutrition and that kind of stuff. However, I've talked to people that have done research on those, and I know that there are certain kinds of diets that you can... You can fast off of other things and only take in certain things. Um, somebody told me one time he was looking into starting a juice diet because it was gonna just flush all the toxins out of his body and, and he'd heard a lot of benefits that had come from that. And so there, there are purposes of that for fasting to give us health. And so I think in terms of the health side, that is something that a lot of people in America have been looking for. Um, in terms of weight loss, well, obviously not eating is going to lead to weight loss. The problem with that is that if, it, if the motivation is weight loss, then it can go to the other extreme and move into sicknesses that are dangerous, like anorexia or something like that. So it can be taken too far. Uh, but there are people who have started practicing fasting in order to lose some weight. Um, fasting, I've I've read that fasting at specific times uh, each day, like if you identify certain times of fasting, that that can be more effective in terms of losing weight um, than just an all-out fast or something like that. Um, the majority, like I said, I get bombarded on Facebook with these. The majority of the ads that I see that have come through have... You know, ads are, the the marketing world, they are geniuses at how to catch your attention. And the ads that I see come through catch the eye with some kind of caption about losing weight, which I think tells us that most people are looking for a quick and easy way to maybe drop pounds. So that's kind of what I see happening in my limited scope um, my life, my small circle of friends and family, and the small circle that I'm a part of on Facebook. Um, let's look now at fasting in scripture, what we see in the biblical culture. Um, I'm going to give you a list of six things that are, it's not an exhaustive list, but so I'm not going to give you every single place in scripture we see anything about fasting, but I'm going to give you six things that I think are kind of categories that we see people fasting for in Scripture. And I'll give you uh, when they come up, there will be a scripture reference as well. The first thing that we see in the biblical culture in terms of mourning is people mourn some sorry, fasting is that people fast to mourn. People fast for mourning. In 2 Samuel 1:12, uh, the people are mourning and they're fasting at the death of Saul and Jonathan. So Saul and Jonathan go into battle and they are killed in battle, um, and the people mourn for them. The second thing is that people fast in Scripture when they're pleading with God in times of crisis. Pleading with God in times of crisis. 2 Samuel, again, uh, chapter 12, is where David... He's committed adultery with Bathsheba, found out she was pregnant, sent um, Uriah, her husband, to the front line of the battle so that he was sure to be um, killed in battle. So David could take her then as his wife. She gives birth to a son and it becomes clear real quickly that the child is probably not going to live. And David... David fasts and prays and will not be consoled by any of his uh, closest people that he surrounds himself with in the palace. Um, And he cries out for days that God would maybe spare his son. And during that time, he's fasting. Third thing is people in the biblical culture fast fast. Uh, during times of prayer. Ezra 8.23, Ezra is uh, leading the people back from exile, and he's already told the king that his his God will protect them, those who are obedient, and when they start to take off to go back, travel back, uh, there's concern on the part, not just of the people, but of Ezra as well, because the route was not a safe route in terms of people... Would, people would hang out, and they would attack groups of people and that kind of thing. And so Ezra didn't want, after he said, our God will take care of us, he didn't want to then go back to the king and say, hey, can you send some soldiers with us? And so they fasted, and they prayed, and they asked for God's protection on their trip back. Another example of prayer is Jesus in the wilderness, where he fasted for 40 days and prayed before he started his ministry. Um... And at the end of that 40 days is when he went under major spiritual warfare. Uh, Satan tempted him three times at the end of that. Uh, Fourth category, they fasted when they worshipped. In Acts 13, that's the church in Antioch. Uh, Saul, who became Paul, has already had his experience on the road to Damascus and converted. He's now... Uh, Become a leader in the church in Antioch, and they were worshiping and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, set aside Saul and Barnabas to go on a mission I have for them, and then they heard the voice of God, and then when it was time to actually commission them, they fasted and prayed and laid hands on them before they left. Uh, fifth category, they fasted because it was a requirement of the law. And I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but Numbers 29.7, and it, and it's also accounted in Leviticus 16, 29 and 31, um, is a requirement of the law on the Day of Atonement. And the sixth Category that we see in Scripture that uh, I wanted to share with you is that people fasted as a spiritual discipline. Uh, Luke chapter eighteen is the Jesus is speaking he 's talking about the Pharisee and the uh, tax collector who are praying at the same time, and the the tax collector you know won 't even look up and he beats his breast, and the Pharisee is saying, "I thank you that you uh, you have know, given me this you've helped me to be this." One of the things the Pharisee says is, I fast twice a week. Um, And so, by the time of Jesus' ministry, fasting had become a spiritual discipline that was practiced. Now, I want to look into this one a little bit before we move on to point number two. The requirement of the law. Because there is only one time that it's ever commanded in Scripture, and it's for the Day of Atonement. Which... Um, with, with all the talk of fasting throughout Scripture, it would be easy to think that this was something that God commanded his people to do on a regular basis, especially when you get to the Gospels and you hear things like, I fast twice a week. You would think that that was something that God had commanded his people, but he commanded, there was one command in all of Scripture for fasting, and it was to, it was to fast on the Day of Atonement. So one time a year, they're commanded. No other commands are given which helps us to understand that fasting is, what, and what we're going to get into, is fasting is something that is more a voluntary thing that you do, and often a thing that the Holy Spirit moves you to do, but not something that's done in order to fulfill a commandment. So on the, once a year on the Day of Atonement, the people were commanded to fast, and those references were uh, Leviticus sixteen twenty nine and verse 31, and Numbers 29.7, both of those are are, um, referring to the fasting that takes place on the Day of Atonement. Now, after the Babylonian exile, so fast forward in the timeline quite a ways. After the Babylonian exile, we read in Zechariah 8.19 that there were four other fasts that at some point had been picked up as a cultural practice, not a command, but in um, Zechariah 819, God refers to the four months in their calendar that they fast at times. And so there had been other things that had, which is, that's fine to do. That's kind of, be, that's kind of moving into, developing into a spiritual discipline, but it's only commanded to do it once a year. And by the time of Jesus' ministry, I said in Luke 18, the Pharisee says that he fasts twice a week, and um, from the best thing that we can figure out, that was most likely Mondays and Thursdays that they would fast. Um, I'm not going to get into why they did it on those specific days. There are theories out there, um, but it may be very much related to what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount about their spiritual arrogance and their fasting for purposes of being seen Um, but i just don't have time to get into that today Um, all right look at let's look at number two in your in your outline the purpose of fasting the purpose of fasting now fasting had two purposes the first one is to experience god in a time of great need to experience God in a time of great need. So as I went through that list that I ran through in that first point with you, mourning, pleading in times of crisis, prayer for safety, prayer for beginning the beginning of Jesus' ministry, worship in order to hear God's voice, spiritual discipline in order to draw close to God's heart, those, those things, those things in that list are all things that are great needs in the lives of people. When we're mourning, we need God's peace and comfort. When we are in crisis, we need God's um, assurance that he's with us and clear direction on what to do in response to the crisis. When we are in need of safety, we need not to trust in man, but to trust in God. Prayer uh, that Jesus got in, that Jesus engaged in before his ministry. Obviously, his ministry was going to be one that was under spiritual attack um, constantly, and he needed strength from the Father. Uh, worship in order to hear God's voice. We need to be. We we those are things where we really have a great need to hear God's voice because every generation of people from the start to the finish is it has specific things that that they face that they have to know how to respond in a way that is obedient and pleasing to God and we need to hear his voice so that we're not confused in that spiritual discipline to draw close to God's heart that's the that's the most important thing that God wants from us like he doesn't want us to check off the the list of things that are obedient that we've done he wants our heart and so those are great needs in the lives of the people. And so it's in those times that God, God's people at times fast in order to draw closer to him. You, you neglect the thing that is natural for your body for, in order to exchange it for something that is greater and a deeper need in our lives. And there are times when some of these things, the spirit drives you to them, and, and if you've if you've ever been in one of these situations, or if you know people who have been in these situations, there are times when the crisis in your life has, is so emotionally and mentally uh, weighing on you that the physical desire to eat isn't even there. And you, you neglect that and you focus on the greater need. And so it is, the purpose of, one of the purposes of fasting is to experience God when you're in those times of great need, to experience him on a deeper level, a more intimate level, to hear his voice and be assured that he is near. The second purpose in fasting is to fulfill the commandment of the law. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the Day of Atonement, because this is the one place where God says, you are to do this. So if God only commands it one time a year, it's probably something that we need to understand well. The Day of Atonement was the one day each year that God's people in the Old Testament gathered to have their sins from the, whole, from the past year, gathered that one time to have all those sins forgiven. And so God commanded everyone to fast, and the high priest, when they, they fasted during the day, but the, cere- the actual ceremony itself, the high priest would, um, he would make sacrifices and he would take the blood of those sacrifices and he would anoint the most holy place. That was the only day of the year he could go into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And, and he would use his finger, dip it in the blood, and he would sprinkle it on the different things to anoint the articles that were in the Holy of Holies. And then he would move out, And he would anoint other things like the altar and those things. And then when he was done anointing all of that stuff, he would take two goats. One was going to be an offering so that blood was shed for the sins of the people. And one was going to be the scapegoat. And so the one that was the offering would be sacrificed, but the scapegoat, what the priest did was he would lay his hands on the head of the goat, and he would confess all of the sins of the people. And when he was done confessing, it was it was a, it was symbolism. God was taking those sins that he was speaking and confessing and transferring transferring them to the scapegoat. And then a person was designated to take that goat out into the wilderness and let it go. And so what you saw was. You saw the price of our sin against God when the the one was sacrificed. The shedding of blood was necessary for the forgiveness of sins. You saw the price of it. Your sins caused that animal to have to have his blood shed. And then you saw a physical picture of the symbolism of God taking your sins out of sight with the scapegoat. He, he escaped out into the wilderness and out of your sight, and so you see the cost and the forgiveness, and you see the image of them being taken out of sight and no longer counted against you. And that is the greatest need of God's people. All those other things are great needs, but the greatest need is for our sins to be forgiven. There's no crisis that's more pressing in our life than our sin against a holy God. And that crisis calls for a discipline that is designed to draw us close to God and seek his forgiveness in fasting. And so there's a connection. In the only command in Scripture, there's a connection between fasting and the deep crisis that is in your life over your sin against the Holy God. Now, fasting and prayer are two separate disciplines, they're different spiritual disciplines in the life of a believer, but these two things go hand in hand. Not every time, but often. You can pray, and you don't have to fast in order to pray, But you cannot fast without praying. The purpose of the fast is to experience God on a more intimate level. The purpose of the fast that's commanded in Scripture is to, in your greatest need, to uh, wholly depend upon God in order to take away your sins. And so fasting is connected with prayer. Again, you can pray and not fast, but if you're going to fast, you cannot pray without fasting because the purpose of the fast is to become more intimate with God. And if the biblical examples of fasting are to experience God or to draw near to him in a time of need or crisis or to fulfill the only time it's commanded in Scripture with the Day of Atonement, The day that God takes away our sins. So if those three things are the biblical examples, drawing near in a time of need, um, experiencing God on a more intimate level, and fulfilling the commandment to have your sins taken away on the day of atonement, the fast then would be ineffective if the believer was not seeking God out in prayer. Confession, seeking direction, pleading, etc., whatever it might be. It would be an ineffective practice if you weren't doing it with prayer. And so that's the purpose of fasting. Our third point is now we're going to look at the procedure for fasting. And let's look again at, uh, read along with me in our text, verses eight, 16 to 18, Jesus says, "'When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do.'" Um, again, what does hypocrite mean? Actor. That's what that's what that word literally means in the Greek. Don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men their fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on your head, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting but only to your father who's unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you so fasting two things here fasting should be personal remember Jesus when he's speaking these three these three sections the prayer section the the giving section the prayer section and the fasting section he does this general plural use of the word you, which we can't see necessarily in the English. But in the Greek, he uses the plural. He says, when you give or when you pray or when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. He's speaking to the whole group. But then he brings it down to a singular use of the, of the pronoun you when he says, but when you give or when you pray or when you fast. And so he addresses the group And then he says, but you, on a personal level, when you do this, wash your face, put oil on your head, so that it will not look obvious to people that you're fasting. This is a personal thing. It's not something that is something you bring other people into. This is something that the Spirit has moved you to do in order to experience God on a more personal level. All of the biblical examples of fasting are for that purpose of drawing near to God during that time of crisis or that time of need. So fasting, then, is a personal thing between me and God, or between you and God. And so Jesus says, don't do it for public show. Don't bring other people into something that is designed to be a personal thing between you and God. Do it in secret. And in order to, if you, you know... The whole idea of putting oil on your head and washing your face, like what the what the Pharisees were doing, the hypocrites, they were they were purposely neglecting themselves so they looked ragged, and looked like, oh man, I'm really suffering because of this fast that I'm doing, and Jesus says, don't don't change your daily routine. If you put makeup on in the day on, on a daily basis to go out in public, then don't not put makeup on because you're fasting because the people are going to notice that something's different. Do your normal routine. Take a shower. Comb your hair. Do the things that you don't really do so that, it's, so that y- to everybody else, your life just looks like it's a normal day in your life. But God, who is in secret, knows that you are doing this spiritual discipline, exercising the spiritual discipline to draw near to him. And so Jesus says, don't make a public show of it and bring other people into it It's personal between you and God. And so fasting should be personal. And the other thing under the procedure of fasting is that fasting should affect an inward change. It should affect an inward change. God called his people to fast not only on the outside by not taking in food, He called them to fast on the inside as well. Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah 58. I'm going to read. You can follow along. I'm going to read. It's six or seven verses. But I'm going to start in verse 3. And this is a great passage to help us understand what a fast is supposed to be affecting in our lives. So Isaiah 58, starting in verse 3. This is, the, the, this is what the people were saying. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed Yet on the day of your fasting, you do, not, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed? and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? And so, so far, I'm going to read on, but so far he's saying, your fast has, no, has, has done nothing to change you inwardly. In fact, what, what we are seeing during your days of fasting is mistreatment of workers, um, striking people, quarreling, And so basically all you're doing in terms of fasting is you're not eating and you're humbling yourself for like a short period of time, but it's not changing anything on the inside. And God says, is that that the kind of fast that I've chosen? And this question, is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Okay, now let's read on verse six. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice... And untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your, then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear, Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. And we could read on throughout the rest of chapter 58. It just gives more detail for what I'm trying to drive home here fasting, if it's, if it's just done to check it off the list, if, it's, if you're just going to say, okay, I'm not going to eat. Basically, if you're just doing it because it might have some health benefits, then it doesn't really fulfill the biblical purpose of fasting. There's, no, there's nothing in all of scripture where fasting is connected with health benefits. There's nothing at all of Scripture where fasting is connected with anything other than to experience God on a more intimate level. And so God says, if all you're doing is not taking food in, it's a waste of your time. If it's not changing you inwardly, if it's not drawing you closer to me and uh, you're not allowing me to shape you and make you more like me, then you're wasting your time and you're just going hungry it is to affect an inward change. All right, so let me wrap up here by saying fasting in the Bible was the abstaining from food for a time in order to draw close to God in a time of great need. It was usually a spontaneous thing because it was usually born out of crisis with the exception of the Day of Atonement where it's commanded. Um, If the Holy Spirit is moving you into a fast, whether it's because of a crisis or because he's put on your heart to discipline yourself and practice this, Um, the idea there is that you're drawing close to God. And so with that understanding, based on the principle that fasting is supposed to be something that helps you draw nearer to God, I'm I'm comfortable to draw the conclusion that even though it would not be a spontaneous thing arising out of a crisis, it would probably be healthy for us in our walk with Christ if we were to fast um, in terms of, like, if you schedule it, I'm going to do this, I'm just going to make this something I practice, or maybe even fasting from things that aren't food. Even though biblical fasts were not eating, there are lots of other things that might be healthy for our walk with Christ if we were to fast from them. Um, I've made a calculated decision before to fast from something um, because the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart, revealed to me that this is something that has a grip on your life, and you need to fast from it. Um, you can fast from TV. You can fast from caffeine. I did do a, I did, I did fast one Lenten one Linton season from anything drinking anything but water. And when the fast was over, I had a Coke. That was the best Coke I've ever had in my life. Um, you could fast from Facebook. In fact, that would be a healthy thing for all of us to periodically do. But whatever, whatever you think might have a grip on your life would be something that if you fasted from it, it would help to draw you closer to God. Uh, during one Lenten season, Miley and I made a decision we were going to fast from negative thoughts. Um, and we weren't always successful, But the thought was, it can only make us more like Christ if we try to rid ourselves of negative thoughts for 40 days. So, this week, I want you to think about what things might have a grip on your life. And if you're not sure, um, just spend some time praying about it, because God doesn't want anything except his spirit to have a grip on your life. So, if something does and you don't know it, he will gladly reveal that to you if you just ask him. So, take some time this week to think about what might be in your life that has an unhealthy grip on your life and consider an attempt to fast from it. Uh, Just make sure that it's, if you do that, it's done for the purpose of growing closer to God and not for the purpose of self-glorification in any way, whether that's being seen by men or any other purpose that might not be focused on God and his glory. Uh, Accompany it, if you decide to do this, accompany it with much prayer, and God will draw you nearer to himself. Let's pray. Lord, as we uh, consider fasting, whether it's fasting from food or fasting from something else that has a grip on our life, um, I just pray that as we've studied this today that we've had a better understanding of what Jesus is teaching here. Um, To understand that you don't command us to fast, and since... The Day of Atonement was the only commandment, and we don't need that anymore because Christ has died once for all. Um, there's no commandment to fast, but there certainly are benefits in our walk with you from that, especially if we're going to try to fast from something that has a grip on our life. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would reveal that to us. What is it that you, are, that you desire to rid our lives of? And is there a way that we can, through your power and strength and prayer and time in your word, is there a way that your spirit will help us to fast from that and be released from its bondage? So reveal that to us. Help us as a church to come alongside people who are trying to rid themselves of those things that draw us away from you. And Lord, reveal Yourself to us and Your power and Your strength and Your sovereignty and Your grace and Your heart of forgiveness and Your love. Reveal those things to us as You draw us closer to You and mold us and shape us more into Your image. In Jesus' name, amen.